Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai. Continuing our discussion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's travels in South India. Imata Tanra Ghare Karvachuna Kori Palgutirte Tobe Jari Avilagaur Hari. In this way, God Hari broke the pride of the Tattva bodies to pieces. He then went to the holy place known as Palgutirta. So again, the Tattva bodies are the followers of Madhvacharya's Dvaitavad, and we have a formal connection with that Sampradaya, as we've discussed, but in substance, um, in doctrine, there are quite a few differences between the Tattvavadis and the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Trita kupe bishalar kori darshana the son of Sachi then went to Tritakupa, and after visiting the Vishala deity there, he went to the holy place known as Panchapsar Tirtha. Panchapsar Tirtha is named at the five Apsaras or heavenly damsels who were sent by Pindra to distract one sage, Achutya, I believe his name was. It's common. They say for Indra to be concerned about the austerities of others because they might, by such, attain his post. <laughs> and so he sends Apsaras to distract them. This is the idea. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't distracted, but he was pissed off. <laughs> and uh, austerities can do that to you. <laughs> and so he cursed them to become crocodiles. So they did, and they remained in that place. Arjun came there when he was in exile and liberated them. Panchapsara. Gokane Shiba Deki, Aila Dwaipayani, Sura Paraka, Sur Paraka, Tirte Aila Nyasisu Umani. After seeing Panchapsara, Mahabu went to Gokarna. There he visited the temple of Lord Shiva, and then he went to Dwaipayani and this Nyasi Shiromani, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the crown jewel of sannyasis, then went to Surpurakatirtha. Kulapure Lakshmi Deki Dekhena Chir Bhakavati. Lagna Ganesh Deki Dekhana Chaur Parvati. Then he visited the town of Kulapur, where he saw the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, in a temple of Chir Bhagavati. And there he saw Langa Ganesh in another temple known as Chaur Parvati. Tahahite Pandrapure Oila Chandra Vithala Thakur Deki Poela Ananda. From there, Gaurchandra, the moon of the golden moon, went to Pandrapur where he happily saw the temple of Bitala Thakur. He's called, sometimes called Gaurachandra because it means golden moon because he appeared at the time of the full moon when there was an eclipse of the full moon. And we know that if you look at the moon, it has spots on it. So it's said that the eclipse was arranged to cover up the moon that had spots on it because the spotless and golden moon of God was arising. 
at that time appearing in West Bengal, Shigaur Chandra Ki Jai, Premavesha Koila, Bahuta, Kirtana Nartana. Absorbed in praying, he did a huge, big Kirtan dancing. Tanik Vipratan Mantrana. There he was invited by a Brahman to his home for lunch. So it's so wonderful to hear these descriptions of how he's going from temple to temple, holy place to holy place, sacred place to sacred place, where there's a sacred history and how the landscape of subcontinent of India is so filled with such. Every place practically has got some holy background to it, sacred lore and and whatnot, and temple after temple after temple. And he's just going from temple to temple and seeing the Lord in one form and another form and another form and another form. This is how he's spending his life. And in appreciating his life, we could make a life, as I said before, of going to all the places he went and just contemplating his presence there and uh, how he went here, how he went there, follow his footsteps and so forth. It's a good use of time. It said in Bhagavatam, what other value? Legs, they're like tree trunks, something like that, immovable in other words. They might as well be trunks of trees if they have not bent to walk to the temple of the Lord. And eyes, like the eyes on the tail of a peacock, useless if they have not had the darshan of the Lord, so on and so forth. So Mahabharata was showing this example, Tirtayatra, this is Padasevana, one of the ninefold practices of bhakti, enunciated by Prahlad. Prahlad told his father, Arandikasipu, that the best thing that he learned in school was Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandhanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. The nine limbs, primary limbs of bhakti, I mentioned, he said, these are the best things I learned. Hearing, Shravanam, Kirtanam, chanting, Smaranam, Vishnu, about remembering Vishnu, Padasevanam. Literally, it means serving the feet. Pada means feet, Sevanam, serving the feet. It includes things like worshipping Tulsi, going to the temple, going on Tirthayatra like this, like Mahaprabhu was going to the different Tirthas, and so forth. This is Padasevanam, then Archanam, worship of the deity, Vandanam, offering prayers. Sakyam, thinking of the Lord as once friend and Atmani Vedanam. Self-resignation, resignation. So these are given by Pradhan when performed with the mood of Sharanagati, then this is real bhakti. So Mahabharata was doing Pradhasevanam. And here he then has his, throughout, we hear his travels, he meets a Brahman, and the Brahman invites him for lunch. So, a story now within the story. Bhut Adari Prabhu ke bhikshakuroila bhikshakuritata ekshubhapartapuila The Brahman offered Chaitanya Dev food with great respect and love. After finishing his lunch, the Lord then received some auspicious news from him. Madhvapuri Rishisha Sri Nam Se grame viprograhe, koreno vishram. Mahaprabhu heard the word that one fellow named Shirangapuri, who was a disciple of Madhavendrapuri, was living in that village. And he was at the home of that Brahmana, where he had been taking his lunch. So Mahaprabhu 
was very happy to hear the Shuniya Chalila Prabhu Tanre Deki Bade Vipra Grihe Boshi Achena Dekela Tonghare. Hearing the news, Mahaprabhu immediately went to Sri Rangapuri at the Brahmin's home. Upon entering, the Lord saw him sitting there. Primaveshe Kori Tanre Tondavat Pranam. Filled with praying, Mahaprabhu made Dandavat Pranam. He fell down on the floor offered his pranam. Ashrup Pulak Kampa Sarvange Potegham. And in his body were all symptoms of transcendental ecstasy, tears and trembling and jubilation and perspiration. Dekiya Vishmita Vela Sirangapurira Mana Uttaha Sripad Bali Bolila Bhachana. Seeing this with great astonishment, Sri Rangapuri said of Sripad Please, Your Holiness, get up. Sripadhar mor gosanir sambandha taha bina anatra nahi e premar gonda. Your Holiness, Sripad is certainly related to Madhavendra Puri, without whom not a scent of such ecstatic love can be found. Without connection to him, to Madhavendra Puri, this love cannot be found. Etoboli Prabhuke Uttana Huila Alingan Galagali Koridunghe Kodinakandana. After saying this, Sirangapuri lifted Mahaprabhu up and embraced him. As they embraced shoulder to shoulder, they began to cry in ecstasy. Chaneke Avesha Chodi Dunhar Darjo Huila Ishpar Purila Sambandha Gosai Janila. After some moments, they came to their senses and became patient, and Mahaprabhu informed Rangapuri about his relationship with Ishwar Puri. Adbuta Premera Banya Dunghar Uthalila Dunghe Manya Kori Dunghe Andavasila. They were both inundated by the wonderful ecstasy of love that was aroused in them. Finally, they sat down and respectfully began to converse. Duijane Krishna Kota Kohe Ratridine E Mate Gonaila Panchashadine. In this way they discussed topics of Lord Krishna for seven days continually. Now we hear something what they spoke amongst one another, which is significant, but before that, of course, this description in itself is very significant, especially coming in as it is in the wake of the discussion of Madhva Sampradaya and connection and non connection with the Sampradaya of Madhva and uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya, how they're connected formally, but disconnected in terms of substance and teaching in some respects, not in all respects, because they're both Vaishnav sects. And as we heard, Mahaprabhu appreciated their disdain for Mayavad and their acceptance of the eternality of the deity, which is not accepted by the Mayavadis. So... Not entirely different. They are Vaishnavas, and in these points we also embrace Mayavadi Bhasha Sunilai Hoi Sarvanash. It's mentioned here by Krishna in another place that hearing the Mayavadi Bhasha, this is everything's lost because they say there's no Lord, so if you lose the Lord, you lose everything. So that should be avoided, and you should have great regard for the deity, Archa Vigraha, a particular type of Archa Abhutar. Particular type of descent of the Lord, the form of the deity.
Prabhupada used to call it a form of the Lord that we can handle. Something like that. Just because he doesn't talk. Because if he did, then you couldn't handle it. You'd be busy. You'd have no time to sleep. He would get, give me more chapatis, give me more sweets. So, he does talk, though. That's another thing. That, but we, the point being, we have to be committed in our service and approach him as if he does like to eat, and so on and so forth, with devotion. So at any rate, while there are similarities, and we've gone over them, there are differences in the doctrines of Madhava and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as articulated by himself, and as he taught to the Goswamis, Rupa Sanatana, as they taught wisely to Jiva Goswami, and as Jiva Goswami, and others have explained them, <clears throat> some difference. Nonetheless, there's a formal connection, but the formal connection is that Lakshmi Patitirtha was the guru, who was in the Madhva line, was the guru of Madhavendra Puri. And Madhavendra Puri is the guru of Ishvar Puri. And Ishvar Puri is the guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Here he's meeting Sri Rangapuri, who is a disciple of Madhavendra Puri. So he's a disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Param Guru, his grand guru. And what's significant here especially in the way in which this follows the discussion of Madhva Sampradayas, we get some idea what real Sampradaya means. Real Sampradaya means not just a formal connection, but a live current. And even if the connection seems to be questionable in terms of formalities, if the live current is there, then we can understand somehow connection has been made. We trace it out like this. This is a real substantial way in which we trace out the Guru Parampara, because the Guru Parampara means the passing down of something, right? Guru was one who has realized, and then passing down. So if in succession, in other words, after that person, in the wake of that person's teaching and so forth, we find that this substantial essence, this current in another person, we know that person is connected, even if we can't trace out the formality of the connection, which usually, of course, you can, but there may be instances, perhaps, in which we can't. So which do we give more credence to? Which do we give more emphasis on? We give emphasis on realization. This indicates connection. Therefore, when people today say that none of Prabhupada's disciples are advanced to carry on the tradition, it doesn't say much for his ability to pass on his realization, doesn't it? It's rather, they think it's a glorification, but really it's a criticism. So, this is a real substantial idea of the Guru Parampara. It's not a line of bodies, but a line in which there's, where we can trace out realization. So here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, just hearing that a disciple of Madhavendra Puri was in the vicinity. He went immediately, and he fell before him, paid his obeisances, thinking, you are the Guru of my Guru, so I regard you highly and in his regard, he was full of ecstasy, prema-beshe, he was absorbed in prema. All types of ecstatic symptoms were overflowing in him, which is extraordinary, of course, example of realization. Mahaprabhu was magnifying realization many, many, many times over. But the um, point is that Rangapuri, seeing this, the kind of ecstasy in Mahaprabhu, he could understand, this man is connected, this devotee, this Gosami, this sannyasi, He's connected to the line of Madhavendra Puri because something significant is found in Madhavendra Puri that's not found in the whole Madhva lineage in which he's initiated in. 
And that is this, um, what Mahaprabhu is all about, the worship of Radha and Krishna, in particular the Prem Bhava, the Prem of Radha for Krishna that Mahaprabhu is so much about and pursuing, trying to taste, experience and so forth. This appeared in Madhavendrapuri, the seed of what Mahaprabhu was distributing came in Madhavendrapuri and in the whole lineage down Madhva and so on and on, down Lakshmi Patiti, we don't find it. But we find it in Madhavendrapuri, maybe a little something in Lakshmi Patiti, but principally in Madhavendrapuri, he said to be the seed of that. So this marks then an extraordinary event in the lineage of Madhvacharya, such a thing. And Mahaprabhu was coming just couple generations after that, being the disciple of his disciples, and taking that, and through his sishas, his disciples, making a teaching out of that, what appeared in Madhavendrapuri, that current, as it was coming from him. So this Rangapuri knew there's nobody that's with this kind of realization, other than Madhavendrapuri, and if someone else has it, then they must be connected to Madhavendrapuri in some way. He could understand and of course, Mahaprabhu was formally even connected because he's initiated by Madhavendrapuri's disciple, Ishvarapuri, and so forth. But the point here is that he traced the lineage out in terms of realization. Do you understand? This is when it, the argument of looking at substance over form. And uh, you may find in Sampradayas, like our own, Madhavendrapuri showed something extraordinary, and Mahaprabhu picking up on that through his disciples, you can say, gave a whole new teaching. So then in the context of our own sampradaya, Gaudi sampradaya, we find sometimes great acharyas coming, making some changes, not in the teaching, but in the application of it, and in not changing, but kind of growing the teaching, elaborating upon what it means, what the significance of certain verses are, and, and so on and so forth. This is an ongoing thing. We call it realization. We call it also Shastra Yukti using the reason to further the argument of the scripture, which requires realization and so forth. So we find such uh, such things in our own sampradaya. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was like this. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, then his student, was like this. They made revolutionary kind of changes and brought kind of new light, shed light on the teachings, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in light of modern times in a way that hadn't been done before and so forth. We consider him like the seventh Goswami, like the six Goswamis were the original teachers, and so forth. And so what Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, what he comments on, we uh, accept that, like people will accept the commentaries of Vishwanath, Chakravita Thakur, or Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, and so on. And then from there, Bhaktisiddhanta took the essential realization of Bhaktivinoda Thakur that was passed to him, and then he made a mission out of it, as per the desire of Bhakti Vinod, with moths, monasteries, 64 monasteries all over India, and he descended to the Western world and so forth, which he did through some of his disciples, and particularly through our Gurudev, Shilesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And so, of course, you know, to give another example of what I'm talking about, we found a substantial realization in Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, and he did an extraordinary thing. Some other students of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who were formally connected with him, didn't do something extraordinary. It's not to criticize them, but some of them got in the way of our Prabhupada and even tried to oppose him and so forth. And some of them may have been more closely related 
personally to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in the mission, because our Prabhupada was a Grihasta living outside, but we find more realization appearing in him and more empowerment and so forth than some of them. He put emphasis there. And then to go on, formerly he has many disciples, like I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, we are passing on the teaching and so forth. But in the midst of, and before I was doing this service, other than just preaching in general, which I do, but accepting students, then some of the students were said to be representing him, and they were formally connected to him. And then someone else across the river who was relatively unknown to them, but known well to our Prabhupada, Pujapad Bhakti Rakshakshiradev Goswami, exhibited the kind of realization that was in our Prabhupada. So wisely I put the dots together. The connection is over here now. You know, coming like this from Prabhupada to his disciples, and Sridhar is over here. There's a line like this. So I could have made the line like this and avoided him like something, but I went over here. So the line went like that. So Sridhar Maharaj himself said, this line of the Guru Parampara substance moves like the Ganges in a zigzag way, not necessarily in a straight line. And we'll trace out where it is by realization, wherever we find it and so forth. So I say, as as is significant coming here as it does just after hearing about the Madhva Sampradaya and having some discussion about that, which the text warrants, and what is the relation between Gaudias and Madhvas and, and so on and so forth. And while there's a formal connection in substance, Mahaprabhu was giving something new or new light and so on and so forth. And so this is what's important about Sampradayas, about lineage, realization. This is how we'll trace it out. Probably himself gave the example that if you find two leaves or two fruits scattered by the wind, as they may be, but you taste them and they're the same, then you know they came from the same tree. By the taste, by realization, you can understand. Oh, same thing is coming here. How the connection is, I'm not sure, but I'm sure. The how of it, I'm not, but if there's a connection, that I'm sure. Something like that. So, in this way we trace our lineage. Kotuke Purida, Kotuke Puri, Tangle, Puchila Janmostan, Gosai Kotuke, Kohen, Novotip Nam. So, out of curiosity, then Rangapuri, he asked Mahaprabhu, Where's your Janmostan? Where's your place of birth? And Gosai, the Chaitanya Gosai Kotuke, Kohen, Novotip Nam. Abu told him in due course that the name of my birthplace is Navadweep. Sri Madhva Purira, Shange, Sri Rangapuri, Purve, Asiyachila, Tingho, Nadiyo Nagari. Sri Rangapuri, as it turns out, had formerly gone to Navadweep with Madhavendra Puri at some time in the past. And therefore he remembered some incidences there that took place when he was in Navadweep. Jagannatha Mishra Gore Bhiksha Je Korila Apurva Mochara Gantha Tahanye Koila. As soon as he recalled the name, the town of Navadweep, he also remembered accompanying Madhavindrapuri there and how they went to the house of one Brahman named Jagannatha Mishra and how they had taken lunch there. He even remembered the taste 
mocharagonta of curry made with plantain flowers. Jagannathera Brahmani Tingha Mahapotibratha Botsalye Hoi Tingha Yena Jagannamata. He remembered also the wife of Jagannath Mishra. She was very devoted and chaste, and in her Patsalya, her motherly love, her motherly affection, she was like Jagannatha, the mother of the whole universe. Her motherly love was like the embodiment of motherly love. Rondhani Nipuna Tan Sama Nahitri Bhubhani. She was so expert in cooking that what she cooked, nothing could compare to that in all the three worlds. Putrasama Sneha Sanyase Bhajane. And she was very affectionate towards sannyasis and treated them just like her own sons. If there was a sannyasi, she would come and take care of him and cook for him and so forth. This, of course, we've talked about this before to some extent, the significance of Mahaprabhu's name, Sachinandan, the joy of Sachi and so forth. How he was raised with such affection, and one who was raised with such affection, he knows how to give affection. Tandra eko yogya putra koyat kuriyache sonyasa. Shankara aranya nam tandra alpo vaya. So Rangapuri is saying, I went to Navadvip and I stayed at the house of a man named Jag. I remember Jagannath Mishra, his wife was a very chaste and devoted. Her name was Sachi and she cooked wonderfully. I remember the plantain leaf uh, flower uh, curry she cooked and her affection and so forth. This, of course, happens to be the father and mother of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He doesn't know it yet. He says, I also remember that one of her very deserving sons had accepted sannyas at a very young age. His name was Shankararanya. That's his sannyas name, Shankararanya. Now you may remember something here. What is that? That Mahaprabhu was granted permission to leave Puri by the other devotees. How? They didn't want him to go. Finally he said, look, I've got to go. I've got to find my brother. So on different pleas he wanted to go, but they wouldn't let him go. But when he brought up family concerns, then he said, okay, and then you can go. Because they are all in part of the family of Mahaprabhu. They consider themselves like this. You've got to go find your brother. Right. Your older brother took sannyas. He went to South India, so fair enough. Now, Rangapuri is explaining that he remembered that boy. That boy took sannyas. His name was Shankaranya. Eitirtha, Eitirte, Siddhi Prapti Hoila. He says, where you are in this place, that sannyasi attained Siddha, Siddhi. He became a Siddha. He attained perfection. Prastavesi Rangapuri, Kohila. So this is what he told Mahaprabhu. Prabhu Kohi, Purvashramitengho, Morbrat, Morbratha, Jagannatu Mishra, Purvashrami Morpita. Prabhu, the Lord, Sri Chaitanya Dev said, in my Purvashram, in my previous life or previous ashram before taking sannyas, Shankarani was my brother and Jagannath Mishra was my father. E mata duit jane ishto goshti kori 
দ্বারকা দেখিতে চলিল শ্রী রঙ্গপুরি ফিনিশিং টক্স উইথ মাহাপ্রু ইন দিস ওয়ে রঙ্গপুরি স্টার্ট ফর দ্বারকা ধাম সো হিয়ার মাহাপ্রু হ্যাজ ফাউন্ড আউট ওয়াট হ্যাপেন্ড টু হিজ ব্রাদার ব্রাদার প্যাসড অ্যাওয়ে ইন দিস প্লেস হ্যাভিং এটেন্ড পারফেকশন এন্ড হিয়ার ইট ফ্রম শ্রী রঙ্গপুরি ডিসাইপল অফ মাধবেন্দ্রপুরি ভেরি টাচিং and uh, Nagpuri has gone off to Dwarka. Any question? I thought I heard that Mahaprabhu's brother merged into anything on the Buddha. Well, uh, that city. At that spot, though. He left the world at that place, naturally. He came from Nityanandapuru. Nityanandapuru was Balaram. His brother, Vishvarup, who became Sankaran, that was his sannyas name. It's a partial manifestation of Balaram for Leela. And so he manifests for Leela, and then when he leaves, that's where he goes. He merges back into Balaram, and he stayed in the Leela in that context. But he's not available externally in that form anymore. It appears that he died, but nobody dies. Okay, so then, Dhin Chari, Tata Prabhuke Rokila Brahmana, Bhimanadi Snan Kori Korena Vithala Darshana. So, after Rangapuri departed, for Dwarka Mahaprabhu remained with the Brahman at Pandrapur for four more days. He took his bath at the Bhima River and he visited the temple of Vithala. Tabe Mahaprabhu Oila Krishnabena Tire, Nana Tita Deki Tahan Devata Mundire. Mahaprabhu then went to the bank of the Krishna-Bena river. We visited many holy places and temples of various gods. Brahmana-samadja shab vaishnav charit vaishnav sakala paddhe krishna kanamrit So he came in the association of some Brahmins there, and they were Vaishnavas in character. And vaishnav sakala paddhe, all the Vaishnavas, In that place, they, they were reading Krishna Karna, a book named Krishna Karna Amrit. Krishna Karna Amrit Shruni Prabhur Ananda Huila Agraha Kuriya Punti Lekana Huila Lekana Lohila Hearing the Karna Amrit, Krishna Karna Amrit, Mahaprabhu was so pleased. And with great eagerness, he copied the book and took it with him. Karna Amrit to Shambhashtu Nahitri Bhubane Tiaha Huite Hoi Krishna, Shuddha Prem Gyane. There is no comparison to the Krishna Karnamrita, Krishna Das says, within the three worlds. By studying this book, one is elevated to knowledge of pure bhakti to Krishna. Sondarja, Madhurja, Krishna Lilara Avadhi, Sejane, One who regularly studies Krishna Karnamrita can fully understand the beauty and melodious tastes of the Leela of Krishna. Brahma Sanghita Karnamrita Dvipunti Pana Maharatna Praipae Oila Sanghe Nara Brahma Samhita and Krishna Karnamrita were the two books that Mahabhava considered the most valuable jewels. Therefore, he took them with him on his return trip. We talked about this briefly earlier when Mahaprabhu had come to the Adikeshava temple and found the fifth Adhyay, the fifth chapter of Brahma Samhita. 
and how he relished that and how all the Siddhantas found there. I mentioned at that time two books and the second book was Krishna Kamaramrita that Mahaprabhu found in South India and brought back with him. And the one, Brahma Samhita, represents the tattva, the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and the supremacy of Govinda and so forth, and uh, which is a large part of it. And the other, the Karnamrita, Krishna Karnamrita, represents the bhava that Mahaprabhu was so much about. So the prominent bhava in the Sampradaya, that of Radha's bhava, Radha Prem. So it's a Leela book. Dharma Samhita is a Tattva book. And Krishna Karnamrita is a Leela book. So this goes well, Achinti Veda Veda. So the Tattva is Abed, non-difference. And the Leela, Bhav is Bed, varied, making for Leela. So there's two ways to look at everything in Gaudiya Vaishnava, from the point of view of Tattva and from the point of view of Bhava. And you come up with different understandings based on how you look at the whole affair. So these are the two sides. And of course you have to pretty much know some Tattva to get some Bhava. Without some Mandagyan, then your practice will not be well informed. And if your practice is not well informed, and it will not be very fruitful. And the fruit of the practice is bhava. And so this is an important book, but it's a higher book. It's written by a saint named Bilbamangala Thakur. He has another name that he's uh, known by called also Lila Sukha. Lila Sukha. So like he's like the Sukha, the Sukadev of the Lila. The essence of what Sukadev spoke about in the Bhagavatam is the tenth canto. The Leela of Krishna, the essence of that, Radha's Prem, is what this book is about. So he's sometimes called Leela Sukha. There are many stories about Bilba Mangal Thakur. And he writes about himself in the Krishna Karnamrita. He wrote Krishna Karnamrita, another book called Govinda Damadar Stotra, another high book. And um, he speaks about himself a little bit in Krishna Karnamrita. Said to have lived for seven hundred years and settled in the Braj. And um, besides his own mention of himself in the book, and Mahaprabhu's acknowledgement, recognition of the book, and he's introducing it to all of us and so forth. And there's not much really written about him in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He is uh, sometimes considered to be. A Affiliated with, formerly maybe with the um, Rudra Sampradaya, Sridhar Swami, who was a prominent person at Sampradaya Mahaprabhu. His commentary in Bhagavatam was very much appreciated by Mahaprabhu. Something coming from that side. But um, other than this, he is mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And he's mentioned in a significant way in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. In the second section of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Southern section, I believe. It's arranged like an ocean with an eastern, southern, western, and is it northern? Is the last? I forget. Anyway, divisions. And then in each of them there are waves. That's how the book is poetically uh, described. And so in any way, the second section in the first wave, Rupa Goswami is introducing the elements, the ingredients that make up Rasa. So he's describing the, the Vibhav, the, uh, which has three divisions, Vishayalambana, Ashrayalambana, and Udipana. 
Abhivav is kind of what, uh, that which brings on rasa, which causes the stayivav, the dominant sentiment that has to be in place for there to be rasa, to be stimulated, augmented in terms of the udipana. Let's say, for example, you have parental love and you're the door and you see the shoes of your daughter, little tiny shoes. You already love her. That doesn't change whether you see the shoes or not. When you see them, it causes that to come to the surface more. It's called udipana. This is one type of vibhav. This is described in that chapter. The other two kinds of vibhav are called vishayalambana and ashrayalambana. And that means that in order for there to be bhakti rasa, there has to be an object of love that your stayibhav is focused on. And that object of love, of course, in bhakti rasa is Krishna. And then in order for rasa to be tasted, there has to be a shelter of that love. There has to be an embodiment of that stayibhav, that dominant emotion for Krishna. And that embodiment is called the ashrayalambana. And that's the devotee. So in order for there to be bhakti rasa, there has to be the Lord, there has to be the devotee. And the devotee has to have attained a measure of love for Krishna that will be such that given other ingredients, Udipana Vibhava, for example, and other ingredients that are described there in that book when they come together, his emotional ecstasy will rise to the point of rasa, ananda. This is all uh, the language taken from the uh, aesthetics, art, drama in particular, of, of India, that uh, Rupa Goswami drew on a language to explain love of God, bhakti rasa, he called it. And so where does Bhivamangala Thakur come up? He comes up in this description of Vibhav, where Rupa Goswami is describing the devotee, now, the ashraya lambana. And when he begins to describe him, he says there are two types of devotees, who are the ashrayalambana of rasa, ashrayalambana vibhav. And one type is the perfected devotee, for example, in the Leela, like Subal, Sridam, Lalita, Nanda, Jashoda. Right? They are the embodiment of, Nishoda is the embodiment of motherly love for Krishna. So this is an ideal, right? So someone in Vatsali who's pursuing that Vatsali will identify with her. And there's another kind, he says, who's an ashrayalambana of rasa also, and that is the devotee who is a sadaka. But he says, this is qualified in the commentaries, that a kind of sadaka who is not an ordinary sadaka, but a bhava bhakta who is still doing sadhana, but he's doing it in bhava, there's a kind of sadhana in bhava, which is cultivating that bhava. He's not perfect. He has darshan, the Lord, but he comes back from that. Some offenses, anarthas from offense, which are heavy, therefore they should be avoided, will carry all the way into bhava and inhibit one from attaining prem until they have reached their course and expire. So, it's not easy to go there. So, that kind of devotee is a kind of sadaka. He's not a sadaka, he's a bhava bhakta, but he's doing sadhana. This kind of devotee will have darshan, will have deep experience, but he hasn't attained prem yet. He's saying, Rupa this kind of devotee is also an ashray alambana, vibhav, 
for rasa. And what he means by that is that as sadhakas, we are watching the drama of Krishna Leela when we hear about it through our ears as the Vaishnavas recited or when we read about it. Reading is kind of a form of hearing, right? So we're watching the drama of Krishna Leela. And as, as we do that, then certain persons in it are going to stick out and their kind of love for Krishna causes us in some way or other to feel enthused and so just in a small way. But there's another thing that we're doing. What is that? that we're in touch with a devotee who's the guru, who is performing the lila in one sense of a sadhaka. Because he's showing us how to practice by his example. He's coming down from what his main, his own preoccupation may be, for example, to set an example for us. This is kind of, you know, the lila of the guru. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we call him the Acharya lila. So he's Krishna. He doesn't have to set an example of all these things he's doing as a sannyasi, right? But he's doing it and teaching us. And he is going in the lila and coming out, we find. He goes in and he comes out. That's very inspiring to us, right? Almost more so at our stage than the paradigmatic person representing a particular sentiment in the lila. Because he's closer to us. It's the way in which the lila and the whole affair is coming really directly to us. Surupa Goswami is significant in relation to the real Mangal Thakur. He cites Bilba Mangal Thakur as an example of such a sadhaka who's in bhava, not quite perfect, or plain the lila, if you will, as it may be, of not being quite perfectly realized and therefore attending to things that are required for students who are progressing, that means setting a particular example and so forth, teaching and whatnot by his example. This kind of person causes sadhakas to develop some sense of rasa by watching him, by observing him. This is the whole idea. The leela is like a drama. You watch it. What's happening in it comes to you. Just like if you go to a movie and yet what happens, you watch a movie and the movie is trying to elicit certain sentiments from you by the way it does different things. It shows something and how the people are looking and then you understand how they're supposed to be feeling at this point in the movie. And then you get some feeling like that and you get emotions when you watch the movies and so forth. So this is just like you go to a movie and it really affects you. At some point you're going to hear Krishna Leela and it's going to affect you just like that movie. But the emotions are going to be coming from the soul proper, not from the mind like they are when you watch an ordinary movie. But I'm just giving somebody how to understand what is bhakti rasa? There'll come a point when hearing the leela, when hearing the name and so forth, now all names of Krishna take you to some leela and so forth, or hearing the discussion or reading the book and doing your job and so forth. You're really like sitting down, as I should look, I'm sitting down to participate in the drama of Krishna leela, hearing about it. Now I may be hearing about it philosophically and imbibing tattva and so forth, but I have a view do that for the purpose of facilitating my potential for tasting, experiencing bhava, and ultimately rasa. So this is what I'm doing. And at some point you're going to be doing that and you're going to feel like you're just watching the best movie ever. You're going to be transported into the movie and then you're going to come out and 
see like this. So Bilba Mangal Thakur is a sadhaka in Bhav Bhakti, as he's depicted in Krishna Karnamrita. That's what he's doing. He's going to the Leela and coming out. He's describing something in the Leela coming out. Raghunath Das is doing this. Goswami is doing this in Radha Kundit in his Vilap Kusamanjali, his book, describing Leela and coming back out. So for very advanced devotees or more advanced sadhakas, this is very helpful, such a book. But without being too advanced, without even really understanding much tattva, one would do better to study books of tattva so that when things happen, materially speaking, when the world turns out to show its ugly face, and yeah, that's what the Bhagavatam said it was like, material work, and separate yourself from that. We're doing two things at the same time. We're cultivating this bhava, and we're separating ourselves. And in the beginning stages, more emphasis on the separation from that, from the lower side, than there is connection with the higher side. But it's only on the basis of the connection with the higher side that that separation is really possible in a uh, comprehensive sense. So, you're going to Golok, you never come back here, that's for sure. And Goloker, Premodan, Harinam, Sankirtan. This Golok is coming to us in the form of Harinam, Sankirtan. That will end the material world altogether. We don't have another way of ending our life here in the material world, overcoming the misery of material existence. This is the way, by Nam, by going up to Nam Shrestam, the fullest conception of the name given by Mahaprabhu and all that that entails. So, which ultimately culminates in Bhavan and Prem, Prem Rasa. So anyway, as I say, in the context of all of this, there's something else going on, and that is the example of the sadhaka guru who perfect or not perfect in terms of a Bhava Bhakta, not perfect in terms of Prem, or he's a Prem Bhakta. Still, as Prabhupada used to explain, an Uttamadakari will act like a Madhimadakari in order to relate to us to come down and relate to us. Otherwise, in Prem, there's not much capacity for discrimination, and you have to discriminate to preach, right? And say, don't do this, this isn't good, that's good. So, that devotee, taking that kind of position, sometimes it's said the position of initiation, the service of initiation is delegated to the Madhyamadikaris, the intermediate devotees, who discriminate and preach, they do the preaching work, but we know that brain bhaktas also do that, but they function ostensibly, in many respects, as a madhyamadikari at that time, because they're discriminating. That kind of discrimination is not characteristic of the uttamadikari, it's the characteristic of the madhyamadikari. So, that person is also obviously prominently on the scene, and an example to us. From that person, we're hearing about the Leela, we're hearing the Siddhanta, and so forth. And so, in relation to him, Rupa Goswami is saying, we are also, in a sense, able to cultivate rasa, because he's also an ashray alambana vibhav, and an element of rasa. He is an embodiment of rasa, or let's say the, the cultivation of that, that inspires us. So we get so much inspiration hearing the sannyas leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's not the main leela of Mahaprabhu. It's an occasional leela of Mahaprabhu. He's not a sannyasi in Goloka, in Navadvipdam. Navadvip is a division of Goloka. And he's not a sannyasi there. He's a householder in Navadvip and with all of his friends doing kirtan and so forth. 
this taking the sannyasa is analogous to Krishna's leaving the Braj for Mathura to go and kill Kamsa and then go to Dwarka and so forth, where he manifests the Maishvarya, such that the devotees in connection with him experience a distance from him that the Braj devotees don't experience. Similarly, when Mahaprabhu takes sannyas, becomes his, this is his Acharya Leela, he's kind of coming down to do the Acharya Leela. And some distance is created. He's a sannyasi now. They can't get so close to him. Right? He took sannyas and showed bairagya, an extreme way, renunciation, to cause the people to respect him so that they would listen to what he had to say. You follow? So when Mahaprabhu comes to Puri, he's kind of coming down in a sense. And then he shows how to go up. And so we very much identify with that sannyas leela. Very helpful for us. Gaur Leela, in terms of his being Acharya Leela, this is kind of its purpose. And the Acharya himself, in our lineage, is doing the same thing. So he, Rupa Goswami says, and he gives Bilba Mangal Thakur as an example, is also an Ashraya Lambana or Rasa. So he's a, even in the context of not exhibiting perfection, you can't see his inner life, you see his outer life as a sadhaka. You follow? And what I mean to say is, we are supposed to follow in our siddhadeya as it awakens a paradigmatic figure in the Leela that embodies the sentiment that's awakened in our heart, the friend of Krishna, the parent of Krishna, the lover of Krishna. But we also have what? A sadhakadeha, right? And we're supposed to have a figure whom we can follow in that regard. That is the Acharya, that's Rupa Goswami, that's Sanatana Goswami. That's Bilbo Mangal Thakur, for example, our Gurudev. And so in our Sadaka day, we have a paradigmatic figure who is an Ashraya Lambana, Vibhav, a shelter of Brasa. And again, this is the significance, the, the way in which Bilbo Mangal Thakur is mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhum. This is a higher topic. Those of you who have heard more, have more security, will have better capacity to understand what I'm talking about. But Bhuvamangala Thakur, and what was his life? Of course, we consider him a siddha, and we see certain things in him that cause us to think like that with good reason. But he exhibited things in his life that would make less informed think he wasn't a siddha. He was a devotee and from a good family and so forth, but he got distracted in his youth from devotion and became attracted to a prostitute. And his attraction and lust for the prostitute was so strong that he went to meet her one night against all odds. It was a storm and the river was rising, it was floods. He still swam across the river risking his life and he got to her place and he tried to climb the wall in the night and there was a rope, he grabbed under the rope, it turned out to be a snake and almost got his head bitten off. And One thing after another, with great endeavor against all obstacles, he arrived at her house in the dead of night and she took one look at him and said, you came here tonight? And she said, if you would make the same endeavor to attain Krishna, your life would be perfect. And he made all his endeavor just to attain me and hit him like a ton of bricks. Prostitute speaking to him, just hit him like a ton of bricks. His life changed forever. He paid his respect to her. In his book, Krishna Karnamriti, he offers his obeisances to Chintamani, the prostitute his Vartma Pradarshak Guru, the Guru who showed him the way. He 
considers her as one of his gurus, set him on the path forever. I mean, you see, a person who gets an instruction like that from an ordinary person and just changes their life, and then how he was turned, he went to Vrindavan, like a beeline there, and he stayed in Vrindavan and did his bhajan and so forth. And there's one of the incidents where he was invited to a, a Brahmin's house to take lunch, and while at the house taking lunch, the uh, Brahmin had his wife cook, and then he went out, and Bilbamangal Thakur felt in himself some slight attraction to the man's wife. So he asked the wife, please, can you lend me your hairpins? She had her hair tied back. She said, what are you crazy? Just lend me your hairpins. So she lent him the hairpins, and he poked his eyes out, made himself blind. Now, obviously, if we have lust that manifests in the form of looking at women and being attracted, we're not going to overcome the lust by poking our eyes out or making ourselves blind. So we can understand from this that neither would we have the courage to do that. <laughs> but Bilba Mangalatakura did. So the nature of this bhakti as it develops is that one naturally tends to find fault in oneself and magnify what no one else would see as a fault to be an extreme fault and react to it in extreme ways. So what we find here is not that, oh, he had lust for the woman, but an extraordinary amount of devotion we find in him. And so he made himself blind. And then the story goes on. Krishna came to him brought him milk. And he was drinking that milk and he's talking to that boy who was taking care of him and he realized at some point it was Krishna. He realized it. He didn't need eyes to see. He could realize it in his heart. So he grabbed out to catch him. You know, and the boy was, you know, <laughs> dodging him. And so, little Sukhubhava Mangal Thakur said to him, Anyway, I may not be able to catch you with my hand, but you cannot escape my heart. I'm satisfied with that. <laughs> you fully appeared there. And uh, so, he, he became perfect. But his example seems to be of one of the sadhak who's struggling and making progress and so forth, and who took lessons from the world, ostensibly, and got the spiritual lesson from it. And you know, he only heard it once and went. And we heard it a thousand times from our guru. <laughs> and he's hearing from you know non-devotee, practically, or prostitute, lady of ill repute. So anyway, the example is inspiring. And Rupa Goswami is saying that in our sadhaka life, we get inspiration from these people, how to lead our life in our sadhaka daya in pursuit of bhakti rasa. And we can get some semblance of what Bhakti Ras is about by their example and following that. So, our respects to Lilasuka, Shibhu Mangalatakur ki jai, Sri Krishna Karnamrita ki jai, Bodhi Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Sri Gaudi Tanda ki jai, Gaudi Premanande, Haribo.